Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. It's the second to last week of the Premier League season, guys. No longer will there be soccer on in the mornings for me to, to annoy you with on Sundays. Uh, you know, honestly, I've, I've the annoyance is gone, and <laughs> now I just kind of embrace it. I understand this is what's going to be on the tube in the morning. So, you know, you get used to it. Well, I mean, like, what the- else are we watching right now? There wouldn't be anything else to watch. Oh, no. We're, we're typically watching a, a rerun of an old game or something like that. Yeah. NBA TV was on for some reason in when, here. When you're gone, I'll watch cooking shows. Oh. I like See, to... I feel like I'd be way too distracted watching cooking shows because I'd want to, like, sit back, put the sound on, and watch. Yeah. Right? I like, I want to watch Chopped. Yeah. I don't, don't want to talk sound. about sports while Chopped's on the TV. I want to watch. I like watching, uh, like, Food Paradise. That's an awesome yes. show, like when they just talk just about steak, which is my favorite food ever, you know, so. Not a bad choice. Yeah, I love steak, or when it's just about seafood and stuff like that. I'm not, are you guys allergic to shellfish? No. Either of you? Just just don't enjoy the the shellfish, so. You don't? Well, no. you might as well just be a heathen. Oh, I, yeah, gosh. I'm not a big seafood guy. Unless oh. it's raw, I'll, I'll do sushi. Man, seafood is awesome. I actually had sushi <laughs> yesterday. Seafood and all Thank you for thing. saving yourself by saying you like sushi at least. I, I do very much like sushi. Give but I don't like it cooked for some reason. Mm. So, so you weird. have celiacs and you can't have gluten. Uh-uh. And you don't like seafood. Uh-uh. But you, so what do you eat? Uh, 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 not, uh, like, <laughs> That's an awesome question. Uh, it is. Uh, I like uh, how you can't answer that quickly. I, hey, you know what? I had some awesome Hawaiian kebabs last weekend for my birthday. Okay. You know. That's right. Happy belated birthday to both of you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So Thank you. you guys have like back to back birthdays. Which Fifth and sixth. Yeah. So cute. Um, I was just I was curious what like what is your daily routine of eating? Oh, it's bad. It's really bad, bad. Like it, you have bad food, no, or it's no, bad like you just can't eat anything. Um, like so, uh, mostly I, I had really bad eating habits before. Like I mean, bowls of cereal, loaves of bread. All, I, I loved gluten-infested foods. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm not very good about eating the first meal of the day, so that leads me down a road of, like, irritation and anger, and then by the afternoon, then I'm, like, trying to figure out something. Um, often, cereal is my go-to. I love cereal. Okay, it, it, It's kind of, like, my go-to thing. Um, we do have breads and stuff. They're not as good, so sandwiches... 
um, often leftovers yeah. for lunch. I've um, tried the gluten-free breads. They're not bad. You have to search. There, a lot of them are bad. A lot of them are really bad. Some. My some cousin of them has are celiacs okay. too, so we've I've dealt with this in minimal form. Just when we go over to their house when I visit, and you know, it's just there's got to be a separate meal made for her because she can't have the gluten, she can't have the flour, and it's uh. There are like good gluten-free pastas, rice. I'm, I'm a big rice fan. So, you know, we make a lot of, you know, stuff at home, Chinese and, you know, rice and chicken and all that kind of stuff, vegetables. Well, it, it does turn into a kind of a healthy give me the gluten, man. way to live, you know. I'll be fine. Even if I had celiacs, I feel like I'd just feel bad and it's, have gluten all the time. <laughs> it's the beer. That's really the killer of it, man. Like, I was listening to some of my friends last night. They like to brew their own beer and everything, and they're all they're all talking about milk stouts and, you know, like oatmeal stouts. And I'm mm. like, you guys are a bunch of SOBs because, that, I mean, if there's one thing that I do get jealous about, it's like, I want a milk stout. I want an oatmeal stout. Can I want a, a Guinness. No. He has to find the gluten-free beer. Which, uh, right now, it seems that there's, like, uh, a monopoly by um, Omission. It's like, I I think that's by Widmere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it's by Widmere who who creates it. and So they kind of have, like, this little weird monopoly. That beer is $13 on the strip in Las Vegas. $13. If you can find it on the strips for one bottle of Omission. That's cool. I'll drink Oldie. (laughs) I would feel like that you would just, again, just feel bad and drink regular beer well, for a you, week. I don't. You know what you do is once I found out that you can just fill your suitcase full of beer, oh. <laughs> you buy beer and bring it. <laughs> that's a great way to do it then. That's a good, that's smart. That's very heady of you. Works out. You know, then you just shove it in Marie's bag and, you know, she can tote it around for me down the strip. And Oh, wow. You know, Look I at can, that. He's got his girl carrying the beer for smuggling him beer from, from other states. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could put a Look, purse honey, on this it. is this is my beer, but you're gonna co- you're gonna carry it for me. Gonna Thank tape, you. Gonna oh, tape it to it's my chest. birthday, and you're gonna carry it. Yeah, well, we do go down there for birthdays, like her birthday, my birthday, Christmas. You know that's that sort of stuff. We love yeah. Vegas for holidays. Well, Vegas <laughs> is a good place to go for holidays. Right. Um, by the way, did you see the uh, USC had Will Ferrell as their commencement speaker? Yeah. I did see that. I did see that. Actually, you just showed me here a little bit ago. Yeah, we had the uh, – I, I pulled up the video of him singing. <laughs> um, what was he singing? Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston. Yeah, he was singing Whitney Houston at the end of the commencement speech, and it was just awesome. And I didn't watch the whole thing. It was 30 minutes, and I wasn't going to sit there and watch it. I was just skimming through it. But, you know, the crowd was laughing a lot. And it just makes me – and if you've graduated, congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations um, to those of you listening who graduated um, this weekend or last weekend or in this in this area. But it reminds me of my commencement speech at Syracuse, where we had like a scientist, and he basically told us, "I'm not, I'm not kidding you." He basically told us at our commencement, "We're all going to die," and that was his whole point of the speech: was that everybody dies, everybody's going to die at some point, and it's just like. Thank you for the ray of sunshine on the happiest day of my life. You realize that we just finished, hopefully, our last year of schooling, and um, you're all gonna die. Go out there and make something of yourselves. Yeah, yes. I feel like the point was probably you're all gonna die, so make the most of it while you're still alive, which is, I guess, fine. But at a graduation for college kids who are about to enter the world and find out the hardships that await them and the joys, 
And they're going to, you're going to send them out there with, just know that at some point, death is waiting. Yeah, I can't remember who did ours. I think it was like, I don't know if it was a scientist. Yeah, they had an accent, though. For UNLV? It made it, yeah, it has made it a little bit harder to, to, to follow through most of it. But I do remember the speech being like 40 minutes long. And just be like, can we please get out of here? This is this is this is the worst. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't remember anything that he was talking about. I'm, and I'm so sorry to that gentleman if he's listening now. You know, I was not that you weren't interesting. You just weren't interesting at that point. So it was. I, I don't really remember mine. I wish Will Ferrell would have done my commencement speech. It looked like it was pretty well, pretty funny. If you're gonna be up there for 20 minutes, be interesting. Well, exactly. And if you're the school. And you're going to pick like a graduate of the university. Not all, not all schools do, but some of them do. I think Will Farrell went to USC. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, pick an interesting one. Yeah. Like the year after I graduated, Syracuse brought Aaron Sorkin, who's like a Hollywood director who graduated from Syracuse. And I'm like, you gave us some scientists who told us we're going to die, yeah, and then I, the next year gets a cool director? See, we don't have a lot of famous people that went to our, you know, Kenny Mayne, I think would have been a cool guy to come in and do a, you know, but Suge Knight, I don't think that's who you want to give your commencement speech at graduation. Something tells me you just don't want that don't message know. of whatever Suge has given you. That might be kind of interesting. It It'd be a be. story. It, it might be. I better just, than accent guy that you don't remember. I just don't know how positive. I would remember it for sure. I just don't know how positive and motivational Suge Knight would be. Did Suge Knight go to the game with John Wall? Suge Knight is in prison. Because I saw something for for like running someone yeah, over with a car. I, I thought that, but I saw a headline that said, you know, the the Celtics wore all black like the Wizards do, and then John Wall just brings Suge Knight. And I was like, I saw the headline, and I was like, what? Isn't he in jail? Is he out? I I don't think so. I don't think you get out for running somebody over with the car on video. I don't think you get out of jail for that. Suge is a scary dude. Like. He, he he was one of those guys. I think we all, some of us heard the story of how he held vanilla ice out of the, out of like a, I don't know, like a seven-story building and uh, extorted him for all his money. It was a guy who looked like Suge Knight. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Wall's uh, bodyguard looks like Suge Knight. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you I look, understand. Yeah, Suge Knight. If you look like Suge Knight, that means you're six foot seven and like three. He was like an, uh, a defensive tackle. At UNLV. He's actually the best football player I think our school's ever had, or the, the most, I guess, the most famous at that point. So, yeah. Uh, Larry Johnson and there you go. Suge Knight. Larry Johnson. I'm, as far as football goes, like, how many great UNLV players can you think of? I don't I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. And, uh, and of course, I said happy graduation. Uh, also, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. I was, I was Mother's worrying. Day, I didn't forget. I was gonna, I was saving it for the end of the segment. Missed um, happy Mother's Day out there. Hopefully, uh, you guys have some fun little plansies with family or friends, or even if you're just solo and you just want to have some fun by yourself, that's cool too. So hopefully, you have some fun plans there um, for Mother's Day today. All right, coming up on the show today, we have NBA playoff discussion. What on earth happened to James Harden against? the Spurs. Also, Celtics Wizards going to game seven as John Wall saves the Wizards season with a buzzer beating three on a questionable shot choice, but it worked. And then a uh, little bit of a future talk about the Spurs because I'm kind of interested. They made it to the Western Conference Finals again. They're probably going to lose to the Warriors. That's fine. But once all their veterans age and retire, are they still going to be at the top of the West? I think that's an interesting question to ask now that we've seen them win again against the team that people thought they'd lose to in the Rockets. So that's all coming up this hour. Uh, is the Madden curse over? 
I think we all kind of think so. If you look back at the history, only one player in the last like five years has actually been hurt. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, coming up in the second hour, Oregon Ducks at the NBA Combine, including one player whose draft stock is rapidly rising thanks to a really impressive showing. I'm going to bring back the Rashad Rant segment this week. We might make it a weekly segment because Rashad's got a good little interesting take on uh, the way we, it's not really just view sports, but the way we're kind of viewing life right now is the human race, I guess is a good way to put it. So we'll do that at 10.15, plus hater to love it at 10.30, and a little chatter about Oregon State baseball winning the Pac-12 title yet again. So that's all coming up today. Texas and the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. You can also find us on Twitter. At 1080 The Fan, I am at Mike Lynch 27, Rashad's at TaylorMade 503, and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Next, though, what happened to James Harden? Text 55305. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.17 here on your Sunday morning. A little rainy today, but hopefully the sun will return coming up this week after uh, a nice week last week. Holy great cow, week that was awesome. Week. It's making me really sad to see the rain every day again. I keep waking up. I'm like, is the sun out? Can, can I go outside and wear shorts? No, no, no. It's raining again. Welcome back to Oregon, everybody. Uh, so James Harden completely and utterly no-showed in the all-important game six against the Spurs this week. Um, he only had two shots, two, two field goal attempts at halftime. And um, he also wound up, I think, with only 11 shots total. Uh, where'd it go? Yeah, two for 11 on the night. So two shots at halftime, 11 shots total. 10 points, minus 28, plus or minus and uh, at least he had seven assists, so he helped a little bit. But in general, if you watched that game, you saw somebody who looked completely and utterly disinterested in that game. For whatever reason, there's been rumors abound of him being uh, intentionally quitting on his team to try to prove a point. We've seen it happen before. Kobe's done it before, uh, where he's just said, I'm not shooting the ball. <laughs> Let's see if you can win without me shooting the ball. Uh, LeBron's done it before. And uh, now, maybe James Harden did it here. Maybe he was uh, sick. Maybe he wasn't feeling great. Uh, that's a rumor I saw. A rumor I saw was that he was point shaving. Maybe Delonte West slept with his mom. Like you, Maybe. You, just, you have no idea of what's going on with, with James Harden. I'll be honest. I was probably the most shocked at the game. And it looked like, some of it looked like he was just kind of like, man, oh, hell with it. Like, this, this isn't working. Especially as you got into the second quarter because they were still in the game, you know, up, up until that point. Like, there was some – you could tell the Spurs had some life, and I don't think they were prepared for Kawhi Leonard not playing, and I think that kind of had a lot to do with that. Sometimes when you can't game plan for certain things, uh, that sounds Their that sounds best weird. player wasn't playing that, and you but lose there are a lot 40? of times where, where, you take, where you take away a team's best player and you're not ready for that, and the other team just comes out and kills you because you've been focused on stopping a Kobe or stopping, you know, whoever fill in the blank. And they're not there, and then you just go out there and, and demolish them because of that. So you're not ready to game plan for Simmons or any one of those guys being the primary scorer. I'm I don't I don't know what exactly happened prior to the game. I don't know if maybe he had a disagreement with Mike D'Antoni, but this was the first time that man Houston and who we've been 
praising, or at least at least I have, is saying, man, they did a good job of building a team around James Harden, and they don't have another playmaker. Like that's it. Like James Harden is the primary playmaker. He's the at least if you look at that Phoenix team that Mike D'Antoni had, uh, you had a Joe Johnson on the wing. And you had somebody that was able to create um, doing things like that. You also had um, a, a Leandro Barbosa, somebody who could kind of create his own shot and do some herky-jerky stuff and get there. Like, there's nobody like that on the Houston Rockets outside of James Harden. Eric Gordon's a fine player, but Eric Gordon is a shooter, and that's about it. You know, Ryan Anderson is a shooter, and that's about it. Nene not playing, which I think was a, a big uh, a big blow for them just because he's a lot of their toughness inside. And Nene not being there, like that's not Capella's role. Capella's role is to basically do a lot of screen and rolls and things like that, find himself open underneath the basket. Without Nene there, they lost out on a lot of rebounds, a lot of 50-50 balls that Houston would typically get. So I, I don't know. I'm just I've seen. I, we didn't mention the triple double he had the the game before, and he really just came uh, a Ginobili block away from possibly going into a second overtime. Well, look, that sucks, but it does. You're guess right. what? He's gonna if this is if this is the case, he's gonna remember for this game. You're this right. is gonna stick to James Harden for possibly ever, but it if should. not for a long time. It because should. I think he quit, right? Watching the game, I don't think he was sick. I don't think he was point shaving. That's crazy. But I think he quit. I think he said, I'm not going to do this. I don't know, I don't know why. Or I don't know what happened, but at, you don't take two, you're the best player. You take two shots. Maybe he said, man, I, I can't do this. Like, I mean, I, 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 he kinda, was that tired. Kind of looking around. I mean, James Harden has literally carried this team for the entire playoffs. Everybody likes to say, oh, well, they would still be in the playoffs if he wasn't there. That is malarkey, and I think you know it. There's That, that team is not a good team without James Harden. Let's just go ahead and be real. Just like Oklahoma City is not a good team without Russell Westbrook. That team goes as number 13 goes. And so for there not to be another dude on that team that can get you a bucket, he's everything. You're, you're, I'm, I'm your leading rebounder. I'm your leading scorer. I'm your leading uh, assist getter. Like, uh, what else can I possibly possibly do, you know, for this, for this team every night? So, and mind you, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Of all the competitive teams, the teams that people think have a chance to beat Golden State or beat Cleveland, all of those guys have another, uh, another guy on the team. John Wall has Bradley Beal. Even even Damian Lillard has C.J. McCollum to run next to him and everything. Who's who's James Harden's number two? Was it Dwight Howard? No, I think we all know how weak Dwight Howard actually became over his last few years in Houston. Like every even Chris Paul has a Blake Griffin for now, you know. So, well, I mean, really, if you look at the team, he doesn't have a number two. There's He's no got, number two on the team. There's a bunch of really okay guys that can comprise. There's a, number a two. bunch of great three point shooters and spa floor spacers. But he doesn't have a number but two. You're, and you're not going to be San Antonio without a number without a number two. If like, you, mind you, this is still the San Antonio Spurs. This is still Greg Popovich. And this is still Kawhi Leonard, who, by, by the way, is a most valuable player candidate. Yeah, of course. And if you look at it, Trevor Ariza took the most shots in the game. That makes Trevor Ariza your number two. Or Eric Gordon, I guess, if you want to throw him in the mix. Those aren't number twos. Those are good complementary pieces. They're not number twos. I'm not saying they're bad players. Not an excuse either. No. Just so, we, just so we're clear. But it's just, you're right. They're not, they, he doesn't have a secondary player. And it is a lot or mostly on him, if not completely on him. But I still don't think it's okay to quit on your team. Like that, That's why I, I say I think he quit because of his facial expressions and his body language during the game. He looked defeated early, right? 
It's almost like they went into the game, they found that Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing, they went into the game and were like, ah, easy win. Ah, it's going to be fine. And they went, they got down fairly early. They were only down by seven at halftime, so not completely impossible. But second quarter got blown out. They let LaMarcus Aldridge shoot all over him, uh, reprising his Blazer playoff performances a little bit against the Spurs. And then, um, you know, you let Patty Mills shoot six of ten. You let the guy replacing Kawhi Leonard shoot eight of twelve. And go plus 32, Jonathan Simmons. Who has been on fire in the right, playoffs. Right, but like, it's Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, it's some guy who you never heard of before who's replacing Kawhi Leonard, who's going absolutely off. And it, the Rockets are just sitting there with their hands down their pants. Like, and, what are they doing? And that's the, that's the, you know, the genius of uh, the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich. They always get this guy who nobody's heard of, who just happens to do work in the playoffs. It happens all the time. They drafted a guy named Steven Jackson. Who the hell is Steven Jackson? He happened to help him win a championship. Tony Parker at the end of the draft. Who? Manu Ginobili, the best second-round pick of all time. Man, who the hell is he? Like, the, they, they just keep finding these dudes every year. So that's not super, super surprising that San Antonio uh, was dominant. Uh, and mind you, there's still Pal Gasol is still a really good player. Mm -hmm. He's not what he used to be when he played for LA, but he is he is still very good. Lamarcus Aldridge, like you said, looked like the Lamarcus that played here. You know, he was fine. He finally looked aggressive, and that's what you haven't seen from him in uh, in San Antonio. There might be some some buyer's remorse from the Spurs right now because they did give him that money. Mind you, not a lot of money at the time, but still did still give him that money. Now they might be kind of. Stuck because I don't think Lamarcus is going to be any better than he's. So what? Been. So what's next for the Rockets then? Because this year it felt like they were kind of the sexy team to pick to maybe be the one that would challenge Golden State, right? I don't think anybody picked any anybody to beat Golden State, but the team that would be the most interesting to watch against the Warriors was the Rockets because yeah. they shot a lot of threes, they were fast, they were quick, they they moved the ball around quickly. But what's next? Because they were really dominant in the regular season this year, they were. But if you take a hard Look at this team. If you pick through the roster with a fine-tooth comb, you see a player who is worth keeping around, mm -hmm. right? You see a system, and Mike D'Antoni's system that's very good, but you also see a system that's never made it to a title-winning team. Um, you've seen it close. You've seen it with really electric point guards before, a la Steve Nash, but you haven't seen it win, fully, fully win. So... What's next? Do, does James Harden need a number two? We got a text in the Bridgeport Beers text line that guys like Harden and Westbrook drive away number twos because they're so ball dominant. Uh, that could be true, although I, I'm sure plenty of players would love to play with James Harden. But, uh, I mean, that, that might be true for some of the biggest names. They're like, eh, I don't need to play with him. I'll go play with someone else. Um, but can they win with the way that this team is built? in the way that D'Antoni coaches, or is it just going to, I mean, it's hard with the Warriors, but just let's just imagine the Warriors aren't as dominant. Can can this type of team win? Well, I think the one thing, I, I, Westbrook, you may be right. I think Westbrook would drive away any number two because Westbrook is going to shoot the ball whether you like it or not. Ask Kevin Durant. I mean, that's just kind of, you have to live and die with, with Westbrook a lot of the time. So I think if they built around him the way they built around Harden, it'd be fine. For James Harden, though, he's proven that he's possibly the best point guard in the league. Like, in the one year that he got a chance to run a system, he's never, since he's been in Houston, I don't think he's ever averaged anything less than seven assists. So he's already an unselfish dude that wants to get other guys involved. Ask Clint Capella, who had a career year this year off of a James Harden dime. So if I'm a slashing guard or the slashing wing player or something like that or a big man, athletic big man, 
I'm thinking about playing playing there because there's going to be a lot of alley-oops. There's going to be a lot of pick and rolls, pick and pops. So just give him, if you put him with like a, say, a, and I don't know if he's the number two, but I know there's a Paul Millsap on the, uh, he's going to be a free agent mm-hmm. this summer. You know, somebody that can run a pick and pop and also a pick and roll and things like that. Man, you're looking at a really good team all of a sudden. And Doesn't he replace Clint Capella, who's actually turned into a good player for him, though? He has, he has turned into a really good player. But, uh, but the thing about Capella is he can't get his own shot. So there's no pick and pop for Capella. He's going to pick and roll to, towards the basket and try to get all his buckets right there. So he's not going to be able to kind of create his own shot. Now, it will, will Millsap be able to do that? Or has this just been a really good three or four years in a row for Paul Millsap? I think that's kind of the, the big question. So I think Millsap could probably do it. Uh, keep throwing your text out to the fan text line at 5530, or the Bridgeport Beers text line, excuse me, at 55305, Oregon's original craft brewery. Uh, coming up next, we will sort of spin that conversation into the Spurs one where you mentioned the Spurs can always find those guys. Well, once we lose the rest of the original big three in Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, do you think the Spurs will stay at the top of the West? Do they have the guys? Can they keep drafting diamonds in the rough that'll work out for them? That is next. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.35 here on your Sunday morning. Sports Sunday here with you discussing the NBA playoffs. Talk some James Harden and the Rockets. Harry Kane just scored for Tottenham. 2-0 Spurs, by the way, in case you care. It's the last game at White Hart Lane. They're moving to a new stadium. The Spurs play soccer, too? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Huh. Speaking of, what a transition. I didn't even do that intentionally, I promise you. Oh, you <laughs> I knew. promise you I didn't do it intentionally. You've been thinking about that for the past three minutes during the break. No, I was not, actually. <laughs> we were actually about to talk about the San Antonio Spurs, not the Tottenham Hotspur Spurs. Um, but So, San Antonio is back to the Western Conference Finals, playing the Warriors. They're not going to be at the Warriors, but uh, they might make a series of it, maybe. But it, what's interesting is... At what point do you think the Spurs, I don't know, dynasty or uh, is it a dynasty or is it just a, can, the Spurs a consistent greatness? It's a dynasty. At what point does that fade or does it ever fade? Is it tied to Greg Popovich? Is it tied to the original big three of Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker? Once they're all gone, does it end? Uh, is it tied to R.C. Buford and the way they build the team? Um what what is it with the Spurs that's going to keep them there, or are we about to see the end maybe of the dynastic Spurs? I I, th- I think it's a a little bit of a, a little bit of everything. I think it's the relationship RC Buford has with Greg Popovich and the relationship that Greg Popovich has with the stars. Um, we the one thing we know about Pop is he treats everyone the same. You heard that from Duncan, like he'll rip into Tim Duncan, he ripped into Tony Parker, he ripped into David Robinson. Like if you're not doing your part. Then he'll then he'll do that. But if you look at any great dynasty, it, the head coach, the star player, and the GM are kind of one and the same. You look back at that those old San Francisco teams from the '80s and early '90s. You know, you look at those old Dallas Cowboy teams from the '90s, and you know, even back into the '70s and things like that. You look at the same. It's the same head coach. It's the same general manager. It's typically the same star 
quarterback or point guard or star basketball player for for that matter that kind of leads the charge. You look at Bill Belichick right now and the New England Patriots and his relationship with Robert Kraft and his relationship with Tom Brady. If you keep those things in order, then yeah, I think you can have sustained success. And that's exactly what the Spurs have had. They they keep going out and getting these dudes like every single year. And mind you, the Spurs are are how when's the last time you've heard of the Spurs trading up to get a, a pick? trading anything to get anything at any point. Like, I mean, when was the last time they've been act- active on before the trade deadline? I don't I, can't I don't think, think I can re- – I don't remember anything off the top of my head. You know, I mean, we, can, we can Google it, I guess. And I'm, I'm looking at guys that just kind of come in and, and play their part and do really well, man. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, you know, came came out of nowhere. De- uh, Deontay Murray, like, what, what, look, look what he's been able to do, like, in these playoffs. And it's obviously we, we, we mentioned all the time Ginobili and Tony Parker and these guys that kind of come out of, out of nowhere and make an immediate impact. But they just continue to do the right recruiting. Like, whomever their scouting department is and whoever works for them, why aren't other franchises going to him like, hey, how are, how, how are you doing this? Like, can we talk? Like, can you tell me? Like, they're probably saying no. You can't talk. Man, well, uh, you know what? Then I'm gonna hire a PI, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna just gonna follow you around, and I'm gonna see where you're going because you keep you you win every single year. The Spurs they won 61 games this year without Tim Duncan. 61 games this year mm-hmm. without Tim Duncan. That just lets you know that they're the the train is gonna keep moving. You know, regardless of of who's on it, as long as Popovich is the conductor. That's just what it is. Is though. Do you think that the players that they're going to have are going to have that same kind of, for lack of a better word, because it's the first thing that popped in my head, moxie, where they'll be able to win um, consistently? Because, uh, to be honest, I look at the team now, and partially because of LaMarcus Aldridge, he's not a winner. He's not. He doesn't have the mindset of a winning player. Kawhi Leonard, I, I don't know. It seems like he might, but we haven't seen it yet necessarily, so I don't... I don't fully know if he has that kind of edge and mindset. We saw it with Tim Duncan, and we saw it with Ginobili and Parker. We They have that extra little gear that is the the winner's gear, for, again, lack of a better term. You can build a team, and you could be really good consistently, but are we going to see the Spurs back in the finals consistently once these players leave? I, I think LaMarcus is comfortable right where he is. You know, LaMarcus is a guy, and we kind of tend to forget this, he was never supposed to be Portland's number one. That was never the goal for LaMarcus. Mind you, when they got him, they got him same draft, they got Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy became the star, and LaMarcus was going to be just a nice complimentary player to him. He's going to be his number two. Well, then you got Greg Oden. So now LaMarcus is clearly going to be number three, and the, it's going to go between Go and, and um, Brandon Roy. And then that didn't work out. LaMarcus was kind of thrust into the role of the star player. I don't think he ever wanted to be the star player. Now he's playing next to an MVP candidate, and now he gets to go back to just being comfortable LaMarcus Aldridge. And, oh, by the way, he just happens to play next to um, Pau Gasol, who's one of the more influential big men over the past 10 years or so. So he doesn't have to do as much as he was asked to do here in Portland, and I think he's comfortable with that. And I think yeah, that's but being why. comfortable and doesn't I, make you a winner, though. It, 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 do you it, think it Marcus Aldridge is a winner? I think he's playing the role that he feels like is going to help his team. He's not better than Kawhi. Can we agree on that? Well, of he's, course. So, and I think he he's once that, again the number two. Yeah, and he's and, and I think he's that's where he's better suited as a number two. And I don't I don't think that's a problem. And you know, San Antonio is the one franchise where you just you get in line and do what you're asked to do. 
And so if, if Popovich asks you to go out there and be the leading scorer, then damn it, you go out there and be the leading scorer. If Pop just asks you, man, I just need you to man to get some rebounds, putbacks, and really find your groove in between there, then that's what you that's what you do. You know, that's this when you when you work for organizations like that, you you do what they what they want you to do, or they'll ship you. Oh, we can find somebody else that can do this. Obviously, we can find someone else that can do this. So I think it's it's kind of you know get down or lay down when it comes to San Antonio Spurs. We I heard a story that Chad Johnson bought up about when he first got to the Patriots. It's like man, I saw him go in to Tom Brady, and from that point forward, I was like, mm, I'm walking on eggshells at this point. And I think once you see uh, your head coach kind of ripping everybody, you're like, uh, okay, I, I better do what I'm asked to do. I don't think he cares about how many all-star games I've been to, how many points I've scored in the playoffs. That None of that matters. I need to win games. And I think LaMarcus is – I just think people are wanting to see what he did here in Portland, and that's just not what his role is anymore in San Antonio. I, I think his role in San Antonio as much as like it was in Portland, it's just Portland needed uh, him more. It, it, he's always been comfortable in that that – Robin role. He, he's not a Batman guy, and that goes back to what you were saying about his uh, about the personality that that extra gear that Tim Duncan had that that um, not just all stars but the superstars in this league have that when they sense the blood they go after the jugular and they just go for the kill as opposed to Lamarcus. Lamarcus looks like he's just totally comfortable being part of the team, fitting in his role playing basketball he doesn't want to be the guy to lead the team he doesn't want to be the rah-rah guy in the locker room he wants to go out there and he wants to play basketball and and that doesn't necessarily lead into a superstar player on the on the court all right coming up next madden curse is it still real because tom brady is in the cover on the goat edition this year greatest of all time makes sense and um will he have a terrible year get hurt or is the Madden curse over? We discuss next here on Sports Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Tom Brady on this year's Madden cover the goat edition and uh the question is very simply does the madden curse still exist because you know it, it's the lore is there every year we get a new madden cover every year we see the freak out on social media that's going oh my god tom brady's gonna get hurt tom brady's gonna die tom brady's gonna lose his job he's gonna retire he's gonna he's gonna be leaving leaving the league forever he's never gonna win the super bowl again and, it, you know, it's warranted. In general, the Madden cover athlete has been injured or had a bad year or whatever the case may be. Going back to, like, 2012 and back, I would say, is when we saw that very regularly. But if you look at the Madden covers of the last, what, like five or six years, it hasn't really happened, except for last year, right? Because Gronk was on the cover last year. Two Patriots in a row, by the way. Uh, and he did get hurt and was out for... Pretty good chunk of the season this year, but mm -hmm. who was it before that? It was Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. He didn't get hurt. They went to the Super Bowl. We had, um, who else? Calvin Johnson, as well as uh, Barry Sanders one year, which didn't really count. Um, who am I missing? There's one other person that I was missing in there. Uh, Megatron. Uh, Odell Beckham. Oh, yeah, ODB. Um, so he didn't get hurt, and he had a great year. 
So is the Madden curse done? Are we are we okay to say that, you know, there are injuries in football and every now and then you'll see players who are on the cover get hurt? Uh, we've seen Gronkowski get hurt basically every year of his career, so that's not that surprising. And we're just going to go ahead and go with the curses over? Is that kind of – is that where we stand now? I I mean, I think so. If you if you really look at the uh, all the guys that have been on the cover for the most part, um, some of them have been great and had great seasons. Some of them have been Peyton Hillis. Yes, Peyton Hillis. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, I think there's a there, there's something to be said for being on the cover. Number one, if you're on the cover, that means you were one of the best in the league uh, at at that point. Arguably, the best at your position. You know, to be to be on the cover of Madden. So, I I mean, I guess it. I I would say it's over. You know, it's. Uh, you look at okay, so Eddie George, uh, I can remember him having a pretty good season right around yeah. 2001. That I don't after. think I don't think it started with Eddie George. I yeah. think it started with Dante Culpepper. So Culpepper had the knee injury. Yeah, then Marshall Falk, and, and then Marshall Falk, uh, who was really good, but I think I don't know if did he get hurt. I think so. And then Michael Vick, Michael Vick, because 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 he's Michael Vick, and Michael Vick just gets hurt. You know, he, he did get hurt. Glass, he's the glass Joe of the NFL, and kind of always has been. Ray he, Lewis was kind of. An, an off year for the curse, but he did miss a couple of games. Donovan McNabb got hurt. Sean Alexander never returned to form. Vince Young was Vince Young. Then Brett Favre. Um, or is that Aaron Rodgers? That That's might Brett be Aaron. Favre. That's Brett Favre. And then Palomalu and Larry Fitzgerald, I think, both got hurt in that year. And then Drew Brees. Um, I think he was fine. That was 2011. Drew Brees was fine. I think he threw 5,000 yards, but they just they were awful that year. It was the year after the Super Bowl. So... We've seen the curse slowly dwindling, and it, I think we might. I think it might be gone. I'm kind of sad about that, to be honest. <laughs> there was kind of sad to see people not get hurt. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, I sound like a giant jerk. But no, I'm sad about the fact that there was this kind of fun little extra thing about the Madden cover that everybody always talked about, and it was like, ooh. Well, it, it gave an extra little intrigue to that player or to that year's season. Just something a little extra, like, oh, don't forget. Rob Gronkowski's on the Madden cover. Is he going to get hurt? Is he going to get cursed? I, I'm gonna. If that's the case, I'm going to kind of miss it. I did see a. I did hear a funny sound clip from Field Yates that said, "Oh, to protect him, they should just sit Brady once every five games and play Garoppolo." And I'm like, "Isn't that fulfilling the curse anyway? Because you're just going to have him sit half the games. Isn't that just naturally fulfilling the curse?" Well, I think if there's a way for this curse to kind of rear its ugly head, it's as we all know, Father Time is undefeated and. Last year, I'm just going to throw this out there, was a perfect setup to keep Tom Brady fresh all the way through the Super Bowl. Didn't have to play the first four games. You know, didn't have to play that first round of the playoffs. Gets the week off before the Super Bowl. So he got plenty of rest last year. But I'll tell you what, there was a couple of lame duck passes that you didn't see Tom Brady throw there towards the end of the regular season that, kind of maybe gave you kind of those it, it it reminded me a lot of the same thing with Peyton Manning towards the end of his last last year of greatness you kind of started seeing some of those lame ducks and if that's the case you could see father time be the curse for uh and, Tom and, Brady this and, season and here's the cold part you know he we, says he wants to, to play though we tend to forget Brady missed four Until games five Brady missed a whole month of football he missed you know some some, some time at OTAs and stuff like that like he came in relatively fresh in week five you know like not taking a hit not really you know playing any any full speed uh contact hey 
he was at a bit of an advantage, you know, coming coming back for everybody. You're a fresh quarterback that now only has to play play 12 games and within a terrible division uh, to be good. So is it impossible to say that Brady that Belichick goes? You know what? Every three weeks, I'm just gonna we're gonna go ahead and go with Jimmy. We're gonna keep you at home, and you know, for real, seriously, we want you to get some rest because we're not playing for a regular season, you know, championship. We're playing to be able to compete in the Super Bowl. So. I could see, mind you, the, the magic number is four. You know, the Patriots, you only get to lose four games. You, you, pretty much you go 12-4, uh, and four, you can assume that you're going to be a f- uh, first-round bye. You know, pretty much. I mean, there's there's some outliers. Some teams go 13-3 every now and then. Somebody will go 15, or, you know, 14-2 and two or something like that. But for the most part, 12-4. and four. You make it 12-4, and four and you're if you're the Patriots, you're going to be in, uh, have a, have a first-round bye. So, is it possible to say that, man? Belichick goes, you know what? Three games this year, we're going to rest you. We're going to sit you. Not all at once, but if we're playing the Browns. I haven't seen the, uh, the Pat schedule, but you're playing the Browns, playing the Titans. Yeah, you're, 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 you can sit this. Well, game. you get to play Buffalo twice and you get to play Miami twice. Right there, you, you know, get four right there, teams you could sit. That's four games you could sit right there. But because <laughs> because of pride, you're not going to sit out of both games against your, you know, conference uh, opponents and really some rivals. And they so. give them some good games, the Bills and the Dolphins. And teams, they give them so. great games. There's always a, there's a loss in between them from one of those teams every year to the Patriots, the I, Bills or the Dolphins. I cannot see Bill Belichick doing that. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't see it. It's I mean, it's Greg Popovich saying, you know what, guys, you're not playing tonight. We're good. Yeah, in an 82-game season. I'm saying 17 games, seven or 16 games is a lot when you're 40, 41. I, I, well, he wants to play only like 46, he said. And if he's going to do that, there's going to be some, man, you know what? You're not going to play today. We're he just, would have to take fourth quarters off on a regular basis because I don't, I, I'm with Mike. I don't see be Belichick like, doing it. Like 40 it, points. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's not impossible to think. You think about what he, what that team was when they got Randy Moss, about how much that changed that offense, how, how much they got up on other teams quickly. You know, Brandon Cook could do something very similar. Oh, yeah. It's it's Stretch not out of the realm of possibility that these guys are marching up and down the field on, you know, somewhat of a week weekly basis. And in the fourth quarter, you go, hey, Tom, we're going to give Garoppolo just, some time. I really think just because you have a Garoppolo, you know, because you have uh, what you know as a competent quarterback and somebody that can go in there and run your system and get the job done, I just don't think it's, you know, Belichick is the smartest coach in football, and we know that. You know, we that's the one that's the most undebatable topic in all of football. Who's the best coach? Bill Belichick. So that being said, I think he's smart enough to know that, man, Tom, you're getting older. You you, you just don't have it every week. Man, I, you know what? We're playing Seattle next week. Now, they're not, but we're going to be playing somebody really competitive next week. Man, we got Buffalo this week. Let's just, you, you can take the, I want you to hold the clipboard this week. That's what I want you to do. And I, just, I think Tom Brady would be like, man, okay. I don't oh, know. I a guy who wants to play till he's 25? Telling you, uh, you want to be able to preserve your 40-year-old quarterback. Ask ask Brett Favre. I can't. I can't see it. I'm sorry. I'm saying. You think Brett Favre maybe Maybe more? when he's like 44, but when he just won a Super Bowl and had the epic comeback that he did and the great season that he did. And... But like you said, you know, 17 games, 16 games a lot, and Brady didn't play 16 games last year. He played 14. He, played he really would have well. if he wasn't suspended. I'm you just, just don't tell guys like Tom Brady to, to sit. You just don't. I, I, again, I get it, but if we know that you can be that, – that we can still win without you in this game and we can get you some rest for next week where we're really going to need you – you're good, Tom. It's hard enough to get a superstar like that to sit when they have a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter, let alone at the beginning of a game before a snap's even been taken. Mm, that was just Peyton Manning. He didn't want his backups getting any time. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a lot of football. Yeah, and I don't you, think you Brady know, cares. Well, I don't know about that. 
Brady's a competitor, and that's the difference. It's like it, he is a competitor. He wants to be out there competing. That's it. Pure yeah, but simple. I think he's one of them dudes that he knows that his position is—it's not a Brett Favre situation where I got this young gun behind me and I've only won once. Like I've won five times. We just won. Like my position—my position is solidified. Like I'm—I'm I'm Thomas Brady. So yeah, I can give you. I gave you four weeks at the helm, and I'm still Tom Brady. I still came in and did what I did. So. It, it it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. I can take a game off and our team will be fine. All right. Coming up next hour, we will talk some Blazers slash Ducks at the Combine discussion. We have Rashad Rance making a return this week, as well as Hate It or Love It at 1030. Uh, that is all coming up next hour here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.